Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, magicandalchemy.com is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kristen Lisenby, and my co-host, Kate Ballou. Hello, and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kristen Lisenby. And I'm Kate Ballou. This is the second episode in our witchy business series, where we talk to women and witches who are also running their own businesses and working intuitively in business. Last week, we talked to Maria the Arcane, and today, Kara Kovacs is here with us. Welcome, Kara. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to be here with you. So this is a really exciting episode for me. I mean, they all are, but especially because Kara and I have worked together and been friends now for about four years. We first met in the poetry brothel, where I perform as a poet, and Kara read tarot as the erotic esoteric, where she would read the Lenormand deck for people, which is really rad. If you don't know it, check it out. But Our paths continued to crisscross as friends, as witches, in partnership, and I now work with Kara on my own business with her as my coach, which is amazing. And Kara is insightful and hilarious and never fails to make me both laugh and to check myself. She has done amazing projects such as Ancestral Alchemy, which is a year-long program featuring wonderful facilitators, Moon Crew, and launched SEA, which helps spiritual business owners develop businesses from an anti-racist and trauma-informed lens. Amazing. She's been featured in Cosmo, O, and Bustle, among many other platforms. And, of course, the more official introduction, Kara Kovacs is a third-generation healer, life coach, author, and intersectional feminist. Her mission is to help people alchemize their lives to their highest potential through magic, empathy, and compassion. Her work creates space for deep and embodied transformation while honoring the complex web of socio-cultural influences that impact us all in nuanced ways. She has a degree in women's studies with a focus on theories and politics of sexuality, attended NYU Silver Social Work School, and has done thousands of hours of training in various esoteric arts. Welcome, Kara. Thank you for having me. That was quite an introduction. I I love you. (laughs) I love you too. (laughs) I can't believe it's been four years. (laughs) I know that gave me pause too. I was like, wait, really? Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I like counted on my fingers before we started. I was like, okay, here and here. (laughs) How long have I lived in New York? Well, the poetry brothel was like the first thing I ever did when I started my business. It was like one of the first gigs I ever got. So yeah, I've, I've known you as long as I've had my business. I think that was one of the first kind of tarot card readings I ever received from someone else too. Because I'd like, really? I'd been reading alone in my attic, like all through college and like giving my friends readings, but I had never known someone else. So I was like, this is exciting. Finally. 
Oh my God. And it's so funny to think about that because I remember I had like one of those inflatable couches that you have to like run sideways to fill with air. Mm -hmm. And then you like run in the opposite direction and (laughs) fill it with air and then like roll it up. And I was doing card readings in the park on an inflatable couch. And here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, that sounds great. (laughs) It was fun. (laughs) It was fun for a time. Yeah. Well, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your work in your own words? Yeah. Um, I think that the best way to kind of dive into what I do versus the origin story of it, which is also fun. It was exactly what you said in the intro is I help people alchemize and create what they want to see actualized in their life. So maybe that's a relationship. Maybe that's a business. Maybe that's healing from ancestral cycles and patterns. Maybe that's self-love. Maybe that's a ritual practice. I would consider myself a life coach. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that what I specialize in is being super witchy about how I do life coaching. Mm -hmm. So like I'm the life coach that's going to take your birth chart and going to contextualize like your astrology with whatever it is that's coming up. And like, use it to inform that method. And the thing that I love about the coaching industry is that it really exists to help people build whatever it is that they want to create. And the thing that I love about ritual and about magic is it's kind of the same idea of like setting intentions and using um, the things that we have present in our daily environment to create something that feels like more special. Like a ritual is a, a moment that you're consecrating And if you talk to any life coach, whether they have a spiritual orientation or not, the consecration and the intention is what creates the results. Mm -hmm. And so I think what's unique to my practice as a coach is um, using magic to inform that kind of work. But it started, you know, I went to school for social work. I have a women's studies degree, as you said. I thought I was going to be a therapist. Um, and then I got sidetracked by being in my twenties and being in New York and, and being like, I don't know, like maybe I'll work in fashion. And I was just partying a lot and like, didn't have a direction. Um, and I took a job for health insurance in my mid twenties and I was miserable and it wasn't working. And I knew that I wanted to build something, but I didn't know what it was. Um, and then my dad was diagnosed with dementia So I took family medical leave of absence and I went home to help care for him. And uh, my mom, who is a card reader and a teacher of card readings of all different kinds of decks, she's a Reiki master teacher. She does like tea leaf reading and um, aura reading workshops in our living room. I said, you know, I think I want to learn how to read your deck while I'm here. And she was like, that's weird. I ordered a new one last night. Here you go. And she handed me uh, my first Lenormand deck, which I already knew how to read because I'd been watching her read for years. Mm-hmm. And she attuned me as a Reiki master while I was down there and taught me like all of her stuff. And we were doing Reiki circles in the living room by the time I left a few months later. And I realized the reason I hadn't become a therapist is because I hadn't had my like magical training. And when those two worlds kind of collided, I created what is my coaching practice, um, which has had, you know, several iterations in the last four years and now focuses predominantly like 
in that direct support in the one-on-one container that you have been experiencing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know I can kind of like speak to that from firsthand, like one minute we'll be talking about like contracts and commitments. And then the next we'll be talking about being a Scorpio rising and abandonment issues. And it's like good to work in a space where your whole self is seen and welcome, you know? Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Um, and what are your big three in astrology? <laughs> Leo rising in case that wasn't obvious. I feel like the, the editor of whoever's editing this podcast is like her voice is left on the pod. <laughs> Cause I used to, I had a podcast that I started editing myself and my voice is like louder than whoever I'm talking to. And I can see it on the editing screen as being louder. <laughs> and that's the Leo rising. It's a, <laughs> um, Virgo sun, cancer moon. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Almost false advertising, like like a big explosion. And then like, but I'm just crying over here. <laughs> Kristen, what are yours? I just, I need to know before we proceed. <laughs> oh, I am a Capricorn sun, Scorpio rising, um, Taurus moon. Wow, two Scorpio risings mm-hmm. hosting this podcast. How witchy. It feels right. <laughs> Can you believe? Kara, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we've been talking with all of our guests kind of lately about the word witch. And so I know that you call yourself a witch and that your wonderful mother is also a witch. But I would love to hear you talk a little bit about this in your life. And you wrote this quote the other day that I wrote down that I loved, which is a magical word. It means a woman in tune with her power to transform in and with the world and and will through the gift of her intuition. Yeah, I mean, I think that all of us are witches, you know, and we can talk about the witch wound and how we turn away from that. Because my mom actually, when I when I said that she was a witch to her for the first time, she was like, I wouldn't consider myself a witch. And my mom is like from the baby boomer generation. And she also has been like playing with Ouija boards and talking to spirits since she was uh, in middle school Mm -hmm. and like told me, you know, that she was astral projecting in her dreams as a child. But then I like said, oh yeah, and we're witches. And she was like, no, I wouldn't identify as that. (laughs) And we had to like slow it down and go into well, why, why not? Like, what do you think a witch is, mom? Um, and I think for her generation and still generally that there's a negative connotation, which has been created by patriarchal power structures to try to keep people from being as magical as they are. Like, I think it's so funny that a white guy can randomly, accidentally land on a continent and be like, obviously this is mine because the divine gave it to me. Otherwise I wouldn't have been blown over here by the wind. And then when like women are like, I, I cycle with the moon and I feel uh, connected to, to lunar transits. It's like, that's weird. <laughs> my head is in my hands over here. <laughs> so, so I think that all people, not even just women, all people have magical capabilities. For me, using the wit, the word witch is like a reclamation of sorts. Um, 
Because I also think the reason that witches were historically oppressed people is because being in touch with your power when you don't have the falsely, like, divinely guided power, I'm using air quotes that, you know, monarchies are saying, I'm supposed to be in charge of all of this because God chose me. Mm. Oh yeah, we totally believe that. And then over here, we're doing like rituals with herbs. We have to make that of the devil. Otherwise this like false claim to power that we've built this entire society on is threatened. So like, let's just murder those people and call that divinely guided too. Mm -hmm. Um, And that negativity persists around the language. And so when people hear witch, they think about people who are quote unquote evil, who are, uh, have malintent, who, um, are devil worshipers or whatever, Mm -hmm. but a witch is somebody who understands that she's powerful irregardless, or they're powerful. Let's use gender neutral pronouns, irregardless of what society has put in as a false power structure. I love that message. Kate and I have been talking quite a bit about embodiment. And I'm just curious, how do you embody your witchiness in your business? And how do you encourage and guide others to do the same? Mm. Well, I'd be curious to know, you know, for both of you, like what kind of rituals feel really important to either your productivity or your creative inspiration. I know for me, like sex magic was a huge part of the beginning of my business. I was literally getting off to the idea of being successful. (laughs) And I would do that for like 30 days. And it was a very involved, like, process of putting all of the creative energy in my body towards the manifestation of this thing that I really wanted. And that I was like convinced was going to come to fruition. Mm -hmm. Um, today it's simpler because I've arrived at a space where the, and for people listening, they say this all the time and it's, it is true. And you can totally collapse the timeline. You can totally create different results in your life, but it kind of does take three years I think even of just self-study of like what works for me and what doesn't work for me and like building a customer base that you kind of trust is going to continue to flow in that took about three years. And so now I've sort of arrived at a space where like, I know where my revenue is coming from. I know where my clients are coming from. So in the beginning, the ritual that I was using in my business was so much more about like creating what I have now. And now it's a little bit more about inviting ease. So like, when I'm done seeing clients at the end of the day, closing my laptop and saging and like cutting cords and being boundaried around what I bring into the other parts of my life. Um, still and always worshiping the moon cycles. And uh, I look at the astrological transits in terms of like, when am I going to launch something? Kate and I had that conversation too. I'm like, you should launch on the new moon in Virgo. What a good time to launch a program. (laughs) So things like that, but it's so much simpler than it used to be. And I don't know if it'll be that way forever, but I'm really enjoying the ease that is present in what I've been working with right now. Mm, I love that. I also just think like, I know Kristen Mm -hmm. and I are spell, spell jar people over here. We think that we've done some fun ones around Mm -hmm. our work together, which has been cool. Like what? 
I don't know. Can we say it on here? Oh, I don't know. Without, Can without you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the rules are here when it comes to spell jars. Our collective rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess just sharing, like making a sacred artifact together that sets an intention for the thing, you know? Right. And I think Kate and I being big, like plant people, um, I really love burying things. I kind of think of almost everything as like a seed that we do, even like our simple daily acts. So um, yeah, I love burying spell bottles. It's my favorite. At the start of our work together, Kara, you had us, uh, you had me write a letter to myself and fold it up and put it on my altar. So it's still sitting there. I'm going to open it at the end of the year. But I wrote it in May and I've like completely forgotten what's in there now, which is really Mm. exciting. (laughs) I love that. One thing I will say is I leave like planetary offerings all the time. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't necessarily have to do with my business as much as it's like what's coming up this week. Mm -hmm. So, and, and maybe you'll relate to this too, of like, when you are a witch, like magic is infused into everything that you do or intentionality is infused into everything that you do. So it's like, I don't know if there's a specific practice now where I'm at that I would relate to my business as much as like, sometimes I'm doing a ritual for business. Sometimes I'm doing a ritual for sex. Sometimes I'm doing a ritual for love. Sometimes I'm doing a ritual for this apartment that I found uh, two weeks ago. And it just depends on the the mood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just cooking, like we've talked about soups a lot on here. We're like big soup people, but like, I feel like in the winter, that's one of the most like healing things I do is like get all of the herbs out. And like, some of them are like secret because Cody won't eat it otherwise. And I have to like (laughs) secretly support his immune system. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) what is his, uh, his, reasoning for not wanting specific herbs I just think, taste I think he mostly just mm-hmm. doesn't want to do what I'm asking of him like it's a Scorpio Capricorn Scorpio situation so it's like he's just like well if you want me to have it then I think I'm good <laughs> <laughs> but then he like feels super sick and he'll be like give me the potions like just totally <laughs> gives up but oh my god <laughs> Um, Kara, you talked a little bit earlier about the witch wound. So I'm wondering if maybe you can say a little bit more about that for people who don't know what that is. And then how do you work with your clients around the witch wound? And how does ancestral trauma impact our belief in the validity of our dreams? Mm, What a question. (laughs) Um, So for those of you who haven't heard of the witch wound, it's a theory hasn't been proven, but you may relate to it personally. I know I have, um, whereby we resist or turn away from, or feel freaked out by our intuitive and magical gifts, um, because of the historic oppression of magical people. So because witches were burned and hung and ostracized from their communities, we have, a really negative association with what it means to be a witch. And this makes people feel afraid to even explore that within themselves. Like I said, I think everybody is a witch. Everyone has an intuition. Everyone has, I mean, I talked to, you know, the most religious, my best friend, his Irish Catholic mother, like 
speaks to birds who think who she thinks are the spirit of her dead mother. Like she's a witch. She definitely wouldn't call herself that. She's an Irish Catholic woman who's in her late sixties, mm. but she's talking to birds that she thinks are the spirit of her mother. That's like so witchy. <laughs> and, and so I think that, uh, the witch wound is the space where we're like, well, that's not mine because that's too scary or too weird or too quote woo woo. Um, and we can heal that in ourselves the same way to, to your point about ancestral trauma in general is self-love and self-compassion, which is a verb. It's like a thing that you practice. Um, I feel like a lot of clients come to me and they're like, okay, I'm ready to never have anxious attachment ever again. And I'm like, I'm probably not the right coach for you because I was having really bad anxious attachment issues yesterday. Although that would be cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like we don't ever just stop. I mean, if healing worked that way, I think we would be so much more numb as people it's like robots land. <laughs> yeah. Like we'd be able to just be that spiritual bypassing, right? Like high vibes only. Like, I don't need to go there. I integrated that it's over. <laughs> and I think that the gift of healing is like understanding the context with love. Cause often we understand the context and we use it to entrap ourselves in a kind of like victim consciousness of like, well, I'm like this because this happened to me. And so I can't possibly create anything better or more or different than that. Uh, I'm just stuck here. Mm -hmm. And, and that's that. And, and woe is me about that. And that's like one school of thought around it. And then there's like, I don't want to feel that. I don't want to go there. I'm going to bury it deep, 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 deep down and not look at it ever. And I think the gift of healing work is the space of saying like, wow, it makes a lot of sense that this thing that I do or this pattern that I have exists. I totally understand where that comes from. And I unconditionally love myself, not even in spite of, but just fully with that being a part of me. And now that I've recognized it, when it comes up, maybe I can cultivate tools to practice active self-awareness. So for example, when I have anxious attachment, I go on a walk instead of sending my partner 75 text messages in a row, (laughs) which is what I used to do when I was 25. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Just so felt. (laughs) I might still send six text messages. That's a fair amount. That's fair. That's like cut down by like 200%. (laughs) I can't do math, but. (laughs) And instead of saying like, why are you doing this to me? It might be something like I'm having one of those moments where I'd love for you to reassure me. I'm going to try to reassure myself. But if you have a moment to remind me that you really like me and you pick me, that'd be nice. Kara, you mentioned uh, self-care and self-love, which I'm so happy that you mentioned that um, because I feel like the job of a coach must sometimes feel draining to you, um, or at least at some point in your career it has. 
And I'm just curious, do you have any like practical or magical ways that you care for yourself or things that you do or don't do so you're able to hold space and be present for your clients like on a regular basis? Mm. So that's a really interesting question because what I would say to that is we can design whatever kind of business feels really, really good for us. So part of what I've designed for myself is like stripping away things that feel draining. Like I've cut so much out. So yes, I have had periods of feeling energetically overwhelmed in my business. And they were often from the space of like me trying to make it happen as fast as possible, feeling fear and scarcity that it wasn't happening fast enough. And then taking projects that weren't totally aligned for what I wanted to be doing because of that. Um, Now I probably, to be completely honest with you, don't work more than 30 hours a week. If that I decided six months ago that I don't work on Fridays anymore. And I decided that because I tried to schedule a session with my coach on a Friday and she was like, Oh, I don't work on Fridays and just provided no explanation. (laughs) And I was like, that's so boss. I don't work on Fridays anymore either. (laughs) And I just completely stopped working on Fridays. And then I hit a point where it was like, I'd been wanting to have a wait list for clients for forever. I'd been like, manifesting. And also like, how do I make this happen in a practical sense? Like, where are the clients coming from? Where are they coming from? That's my revenue. Like, where are they coming from? And I think a lot of coaches, that's the thought process they go into in their minds. It's like, how do I get the people in the door? And our clients don't pay our salaries. Like, yes, they pay us, but I think of the investment in coaching as like the down payment on what it is that you're looking to create and the kind of skin in the game that you're putting on yourself to show up hundred percent for that work. Like when I do sliding scale with people, um, which accessibility is important to me. So of course I offer that. And like, this is kind of an insider thing. Cause I came up with this from having a lot of uh, angst in myself about how to create accessibility in my offer structures that didn't diminish the quality of the investment for the person stepping into it. Um, And so I kind of came up with this after months of exploring my relationship to accessibility and like how I wanted to structure my offers. So the way that I personally do sliding scale, I don't know anybody else who does this, is if somebody qualifies for sliding scale, which means they ask me for it, I tell them how much coaching costs. And then I say, how much would you like to pay to ensure that you show up 110% for everything that I ask you to do? And that's your investment. And often people will pay close, if not the full amount. Um, And that was a huge lesson for me because I think a lot of times in the world of of trying to create access, we write stories about what other people's capability are, is, and that diminishes them. Um, So now that I have this sort of structure in place, I only work with clients who I'm like, oh my God, your business is really exciting. Like, I really want to support you. I want to help you create this and see this happen in the world. So my clients get 24 seven access to me. Like Kate will text me on a Saturday. I'll respond on a Saturday. I I used to be a personal assistant in my twenties. If I got a text from my boss on a Saturday, I would literally throw my phone across the room and start screaming. 
<laughs> and like last night at nine o'clock, I got a text from a client and I was like, Oh, I love her, you know? And I'm like <laughs> responding at nine o'clock at night. Like I don't feel exhausted or drained because I'm only allowing people into like that, the level of support that I provide. And I think that this is also the difference when you work with a really experienced coach and a coach who works with high performers is like, I'm going to be super invested in what it is that you're creating. I want to see you win. I'm your coach. Kind of like if we were at a basketball game, like I'm on the sidelines. I'm like, yes, queen, you know? (laughs) And so that high level of investment, I love giving. I don't feel burnt out by, but I had to get rid of like all the other things that I was doing that I quote, like thought I needed to be doing to be running a successful business. So I show up on social media far less. I thought I was bringing my podcast back. I recorded one episode and then I don't know what happened. (laughs) (laughs) I am not going to be like doing the, I used to do moon readings on Instagram. I'm not filming them anymore. Like I've taken away a lot of the like external things that I was like, oh, I need more followers or, oh, I need to like be providing more free content. And what I feel strongly about is like really making sure that my clients get four times their investment back and more and like watching them win. Um, and I, I don't think I could ever get burnt out on that unless I took too many people. Mm -hmm. Do you have any sorts of like cord cutting spells or burnout spells that you would advise people who are listening? I was trying to write a burnout spell earlier today for myself to work on. So I'd be curious your thoughts Mm -hmm. on that. Well, I always, when I close my laptop at the end of the day, I say done. And then I slice down the left side of my body Mm. because my acupuncturist, who's one of my very best friends and the most talented healer I have ever worked with. She says that your spleen is what connects healers cords to the people that they're working with. And so if you cut the cords, uh, like the energetic cords from your spleen, that's like how you release holding other people's energy for the whole day. So I do that and I'll sage like at the end of the day. Cause I just, I think that the change in smell like kind of signifies to the nervous system, like, okay, we're transitioning from being at home working to being at home, being at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so little things like that, that you can do. I take in a wooden spoon apothecary anti-anxiety herbal supplement that I really like. I like that one too. <laughs> yeah. I like that one a lot. I feel like an instantaneous sort of like, Ooh, but in terms of burnout, and this is why I think having a coach is so great because you have somebody to like mirror back to you what you can't see. Mm -hmm. Burnout is a sign that something isn't working. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there are rituals like self-care, you know, go lay outside in the park with a book and have a yummy elixir and meditate. But the real thing is like, well, why are you experiencing burnout? Mm -hmm. What isn't working in your workflow? What isn't working in your life? What is your body asking for? And like those kinds of questions, a ritual may make you feel better for a day, but if you haven't addressed those things, it's just going to keep coming up in different areas. Yeah. Especially on this mm-hmm. Aries full moon that we're recording on. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, do we need to have a session about your burnout, Kate? <laughs> no, I think it was more of a like, I don't know, like a restorative thought, like, I don't know, through like poems and like think just thinking and like meditating on that feeling. And then I was trying to put it into a thing. 
Mm-hmm. I'll show you when it's done. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> um, but also just as somebody with roots in reading and tarot reading, are there any archetypes from the Lenormand deck that you draw on or that you love for your mm. work? Actually, my favorite archetype deck is the Carolyn Meese archetype deck and her book, Sacred Contracts, and her archetype appendix is so great. Lenormand, I I mean, it probably is archetypes. Like you're, I'm going to ask my mom that question, but I think of each of the cards in that deck as more of like a symbol because it's like the clover means good luck. The thing I love about that deck for people who are like, what is it and how is it different is that it is so easy for people who have never read cards before to understand why whatever they got in their reading totally makes sense. Mm. Like if you ask me a question about love and you get the heart card with the four leaf clover card with the man card, it's like, oh, you you can see that this came out really great for you. (laughs) It's so obvious. (laughs) Whereas tarot is a lot more like theoretical and conceptual and like, what are you taking from it? Um, But I, I don't, think of the Lenormand deck as really being archetypal, but I love working with archetypes. And you know, from working with me that I scope all of my sessions of like Kate, the priestess of vulnerability uh, or like, I don't know, Ashley, the empress of abundance. Like we do, we pick a highest self archetype and then like a theme to embody in between the sessions. Um, but I love working with archetypes in terms of channeling like energetically something I'd like to embody. Mm-hmm. So I love working with the goddess. I, any way that I can create <laughs> a sensation of feeling like a goddess, whether that means like mostly wearing flowy things and like misting myself with rose water and being sparkly, Leo rising stuff. <laughs> like I'm always calling that in. Um, the one that I relate to the most in my business is the alchemist. Um, cause I think that the alchemist is an entrepreneur. I think that the alchemist is a witch. The alchemist understands how to turn anything into gold. So they know they can't fail, right? Like they know that if you launch a program and nobody joins it, that's not a failure. That's a uh, fertile soil for what didn't work. So you can do better next time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like everything to the alchemist is like a learning experience and like recyclable. And I think of it as like a really magical archetype too, that can be so like emblematic of so many things. So I love working with that one, but the Caroline Meese deck has literally her entire appendix of archetypes. And she does these really cool, like all 12 houses of astrology readings where you can see like which archetype falls into which house. And the way that you would ask the question is I'm open to receiving information about the lessons I'm playing out in blank. Mm. And then you pull the cards for each house of astrology. And then like an archetype coordinates to each house. I used to do that as ceremonies for people, but I don't do card readings anymore. Did you have that deck at the poetry brothel also? I may have. It's like behind me. It sounds really familiar. I'm sure that I've showed it to you. I wouldn't do readings with it in public because those readings take like an hour. Yeah. They're like very involved, but it's possible I brought it for people to just pull a card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds familiar. It was like light and dark side of each archetype. 
Yeah. 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 And she, and Caroline Meese is amazing. She's like a medical intuitive. If you look up her YouTube videos, she's so cool and so wise. I love her. So Kara, um, what does it take to build a company rooted in your spirituality? Mm, Your connection to spirit is so uniquely yours. And that's what I love about it, right? It's not a religion. It's not prescriptive. It's personalized. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having safety and understanding and like openness and curiosity around like what really works for you spiritually, I think is step number one. Like I have some clients who like love human design and their relationship to human design really informs how they relate to their work. I know a little bit about it, but I'm not like super well-informed in it. I know like with you, we've talked, oh, you're a projector. Like how does waiting for the invitation as a strategy show up in your business? So I think like there are ways that that I have those conversations with my clients, but also like really figuring out what works for you. Maybe when I said I built a business off of sex magic, you were like, what? (laughs) I don't resonate with that. That's fine. You don't need to do sex magic to run a successful business, though I would hypothesize that it could only help you. <laughs> like it, could only, it could only help anybody who decided to give it a whirl. Um, it's a very versatile teach, magic. It is. I, I do teach classes on it occasionally, and I'm sure eventually there will be one. So if people subscribe to my email list, they can come take a sex magic class. Um, and maybe I'll eventually like sell a recording of it so people can just get, it. it's like an easy thing to learn how to do <laughs> anyway. But, but the point being like, figure out what you enjoy and play there. Um, and, and root there too, like plant seeds in that, because even though I don't do card readings anymore and I've stopped a lot of the things that at the beginning of my business felt much more rooted in my witchiness like my witchiness is is still informs all of the work that I do. Mm -hmm. And it informs most importantly, the way that I relate to my own life and, and showing up for myself, you know, last night, putting my three jars of moon water out on the patio so that I can make infused things with them, like keeping that practice as a part of your life. And something that I do when I, because community is important part of my work, when I pull cards or make moon water is I make one for me, I make one for my partner, and then I make one for the collective. And so keeping the collective or keeping like the highest good of all beings, like in your ritual practice, and then relating that to your business. And maybe this is the Virgo and the coach in me. Like, I'm always like, how can I be of service? How can I be of service? How can I be of service? And my spirituality is rooted in service. And then that gets planted and how I run my business for other people cultivating the practice that works for you, embodying that luxuriating in it and seeing what can be created from it is a really, really fun journey that I would recommend to anyone. And I would also say like, not even from a place of bias, but from a place of personal experience, having my own coach, like getting support will accelerate whatever it is that you want to do 150 times. Absolutely. And it kind of reminds me of like when you're a kid and you're on the playground and you like show the weird rocks that you have to your friend and they're like, oh my God, I have them too. And then you like 
go off together to like mm-hmm. imaginate things. It's like the adult version <laughs> of that, like witchiness. I feel like it's like, oh, you also put moon water out. You also make decisions informed by decks or you also hang metal above your door. Great. Like, let's be friends. Let's support each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, like what, what resonates for you, my acupuncturist best friend, she like bought these huge selenite wands to suspend from the corner of every room in her house. And I was like, oh, I'm doing that. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> I haven't bought any furniture in my new apartment, but I have like eight selenite wands on the ground that I can hang from the yes. corner. Yeah. <laughs> ritual is for everyone and it's totally customizable and you're not copying anybody when you take something that feels resonant for you it's just like such a beautiful space to feel connected to something bigger than yourself I think that's beautiful (laughs) like have no response to that other than that (laughs) well I think it's probably a beautiful note to end on for our episode today So Kara, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Can you tell our listeners where they can find you either online um, or in person um, to connect with your work? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You can follow me on Insta. It's at Kara Kovacs with an underscore. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Um, My website is my name, karakovacs.com. Um, if you're in LA or Tabanga land, uh, I do new moon circles at love yoga in Venice. My full moon club moon crew meets on the full moon. We might be transitioning that just to the solstice and the equinox next year undecided, but all the links for that are in my Instagram bio. Subscribing to my email list is a really great way to stay, uh, connected. I send out like lots of free guided journal stuff and meditations and resources to other magical things that I think are really cool that people should know about. I teach a ton of free workshops. All the workshops come out to my email list or on Instagram. So that's the best place to like find out how to do that stuff. If you're interested in becoming a private client, um, there's a link on my website or in my Instagram bio to a client inquiry form. I tend to accept people at on a rolling basis. So sometimes I don't have space, but I'll open up like one or two spots every couple of months. Um, and always excited to work with people who are ready to make their dreams a reality. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you listeners so much for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kate Ballou and Kristen Lizenby. You can find us online at K8Ballou and at East and Alchemy. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog magicandalchemy.com. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mode it be for something better. Until next time.